everyone. Welcome to episode one of Breaking Dawn. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And I'm Shoelaces. And I'm Pop-Tarts. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Every time we take one, parentheses, one week off, it feels like we've been gone for five ever. And we have to take another week off next week, which we'll talk about later. But how are you? I feel like I legit have not talked to you. You know, I'm I'm rocking and I'm rolling. I... I kind of embalmed someone for the first, or not the first time, but it was really a test, a test of my aptitude. And I did need help towards the end, but not because I couldn't do something. I got to a point where there was complications and I had already been embalming for about three and a half hours. And the complication that was involved, if I had done everything by myself, I probably would have been there for another three and a half hours. So a couple people helped me just to speed things along. It wasn't that I necessarily couldn't have done it. It's just, it was just a convenience thing. But I got to a point where when they came to help me, if everything had gone according to plan, no issues, I would have been able to do it from start to finish completely fine. So that's really exciting. I feel really proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember you Snapchatting me about it, I think, and you communicated it in some way. And I was like, she really do be doing that. That's crazy. I do be doing that. And now I'm drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper. So you know what? Life finds a way. It's all about balance, people. I'm like having an out-of-body experience that we're starting Breaking Dawn. First of all, this book is so fucking big. Also... It's been, like, almost two years that we've been doing this. Like, I always just kind of thought of Breaking Dawn as, like, well, that's a long ways away. And now we're, like, literally doing it. Yeah. If if it helps put things in perspective for you, I think we had just started, if not hadn't even started yet, when you first met Jacob. Yeah, no, we were, like, 30 episodes in. Oh, never mind. <laughs> No, 30 is, 30 is an exaggeration. Actually, I really want to know now, and I can check very easily, but I believe we were on Midnight Sun. Like, we had gotten through the first book. Let me check. I'm looking at our Instagram. While I look at this, can you explain our watch party woes and what our plan is? I'm sure you all saw our devastating Instagram slash Twitter slash Tumblr slash email slash Patreon post. Um, so basically the night before the watch party, Emily and I went to test the, the streamability and I rented it on YouTube. It worked perfectly fine. We tested it days before on just a regular YouTube video and I could stream everything perfectly fine. Video audio was there. So I rented it and then we tried to stream it and the screen was black. And this had happened when Eclipse was on, or when um, New Moon was on uh, Hulu, and I tried to stream it, and we were getting the black screen. So we figured it has to be some kind of, like, copyright thing, you know, like these servers, these companies have these procedures in place that they know when people are streaming and copyright, blah, blah, blah. So we're like, okay, well, I guess we can just do a Hulu watch party. It isn't ideal because Hulu watch party isn't super great, but it's better than nothing. And then 
we go on Hulu to start a Hulu watch party, and Eclipse is no longer on just regular streaming Hulu. It, you have to get Hulu Live Plus with premium or something like that. So it wouldn't have been accessible even to the people with Hulu without ads. You have to get like an additional level of Hulu to get it. So both of our options kind of fell through the drain. And at that point, we were like, we literally have no ideas. So the new idea that we have is... I'm going to call it the the Dark Ages watch party because we all used to do this shit before Netflix party. I mean, I don't know if we all did, but I definitely did this. I I feel like Emily did this too. So what our idea is, we're going to pick a time and we're going to get our our systems a go to watch Eclipse, whether that be if you have it on DVD, if you got to rent it, if you got special Hulu and you have access to it, great. And let's just say, hypothetically, the time is 4.30. When 4.30 hits, we're all going to press play at the exact same time. And then we're going to meet on Discord and chat about it live. So, you know, it's not ideal, but it's a way that we can all communicate live. You know, the Discord chat is amazing. I love chatting on Discord, super easy. And, you know, we can all watch it from our homes and still sort of be together. So, We'd love to hear your input on this. Um, we kind of don't really have any other options at this point. So, I mean, I think it'll still work really well. Um, you know, we'll be able to talk and watch at the same time. It'll just be a little different. So, yeah, if you guys want to, like, put your input on that, we'd love to hear it. And it also gives people a little bit more time to, you know, join up. And a lot of people couldn't make our failed party. So hopefully, you know, we'll have more people be able to make this party. Yes, thank you for all of that, Paige, all that explanation. So far, we've only had, I put a poll up on our Patreon that was like, would you be down for this? And people have only said yes, we haven't gotten any no's. So really, I'm thinking we just are going to go forward with, with, with this. And if you have an issue, message us. But even then, we might just still have to do it because like Paige said, I don't really know what our options are. But we are going to make it work and we will have fun. We will have fun. I demand it. It'll be really fun because Discord allows, Discord has a huge GIF library. And when something crazy happens, when Jasper is doing the face trademark, I can find some amazing GIFs to, to talk about with, to use as reaction GIFs. There's emojis in there. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fun. Okay. I discovered that it was between episode 23 and 24 when... Jacob and I met, but still, I just feel like this little podcast has grown up. We've probably gotten more jaded. <laughs> I know I have, <laughs> but it's been so much fun with all of you, and I feel like it's, I don't know, I don't want to get an email right now. I'm not really in the mood, but. <laughs> Emo, but in the most literal sense, emotional. Isn't that what it means? Yeah, I I just, I wanted to say, I wanted to repeat it for emphasis. Emphasis! For all my Drake and Josh fans out there. <laughs> uh, what is that one where he's like, yes, because I ran over Oprah, or whatever. <laughs> Man, this day really sucks. Is it because you ran over Oprah? No, it's because it's a little cloudy outside. Yes, because it's I because I ran over Oprah! <laughs> what a great show. Sad yeah. to hear that Drake Bell is a trash human but we still stand josh josh really made it out he really did he's he's a good guy yes totally well for now 
this might not age well if he like comes out with a scandal in a year. But for now, I'll go first for recommendations corner this week. This might be a controversial one because I have seen lovers and haters of this on the internet. But I started using a hair product called Olaplex. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Olaplex is the brand, and they make nine different products. They're all just numbers. So there's zero. And then one and two are only for use in salons. Like, you can't buy them. And then three through nine are, like, you can also buy those. Three is the most famous one. I think it's the one they originally, like, came out with that was for home. It's basically, like, you put it in your hair, and then you wash it and condition it. But it's, like, a bond builder. It's, like, very science-y. Basically, it has been, like, touted all over the world for, like, rebuilding people's hair, allowing them to go from, like, black to platinum blonde. I hate everything that the Kardashians do, but I guess they, like, have talked about it a lot because they dye their hair so much. Anyways, I decided to try it, and I have been loving it. I definitely feel like my hair is healthier. I've only used it, like, three times, but I really want to get the whole product line, but that's going to, you know, I'm broke, so just a little bit of time. I do like number three. I would recommend it. However... I did find out that there are some people who have claimed that it causes hair loss. It's not bad enough that, like, they have a lawsuit against them. Like, I looked it up because I was like, oh, my God, is my hair going to fall out? And a lot of people on, like, the Sephora thread have said it. But there's no lawsuit against them. And basically any other thing you Google about this is, like, people raving about how much they love it. So that is a disclaimer. If hair falls out, it's not because of me. <laughs> and hair loss can be from a lot of different things. It might not be from the product. It might be from your diet. It could be from, like, your menstrual cycle. It could be from a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I personally think that they are drying, they are jumping to conclusions. But who am I to say? I don't know. All I can say is I like it relatable story you shouldn't jump to conclusions when you have one symptom you should evaluate all the variables case in point you might go to your dermatologist when you're on accutane and he asks what symptoms are you experiencing and you say i'm shitting my pants all the time what is going on and he's like that's not a symptom of accutane you gotta go to a doctor but then you find out that you just turned 21 and it's ciders and then you make a tiktok about it that goes semi-viral it went fucking viral. Guys, if you saw me on TikTok, that was me. If you saw a TikTok about someone having indigestion due to hard ciders and there's also a pool table involved, that was me. It almost has 400,000 views right now. Oh my God, you're famous. I got like 30 new followers and it has like 25K likes. I'm like, wow, of course it's the fart jokes that really get people going. Yeah, really. Sorry, Malcolm was being so rude there. Um, I do got to say, I did join TikTok. I follow three accounts. I don't know why, but three accounts follow me. I mean, one of them is Paige. The other two, I don't know what they're gaining from this experience. <laughs> but if you really want to follow, I mean, I'm not posting ever. But if you really want to follow me, go ahead and message me and I'll tell you what the username is. Will you, be, will you feel belittled if I just say my username out loud? No, I don't care. Okay. My username is lilonion666, <laughs> if anyone wants to follow me. <laughs> Epic. Oh, my God, I am sweating. Okay, let's cover this plot so that I can turn my fan back on. Can I 
can I say my recommendations quarter? Oh, fuck, I forgot. Yeah, sorry. Let me get my phone really quick. So mine is a podcast that I I just like anxiety girlies know. I just was in a rut where I could I could not get myself to like try a new form of media. I just wanted to listen to Office Ladies again for like the eighty thousandth time, and I'm like, no, you have to try something new. So I've been kind of listening through Serial, the podcast, because um, I had heard it was like fairly popular, like kind of big, and I didn't know anything about the case. So I was listening to that, but it just wasn't really doing it for me. So I was like, think of something like an interest that you have that you want to learn more about. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and find some anthropology podcasts because you know, I, now that I'm not in school for it anymore and I'm not at the museum anymore, I just feel like I'm, I would still love to learn more about it, but it's a very like, academic only sort of field and so I'm like I bet there's some podcasts out there so I've been listening to a very interesting podcast it's called anthrobiology just anthrobiology podcast and it's about biological anthropology which is the anthropology of like our bodies and why our bodies are the way that they are like physically like anatomy bone structure and it's also has a lot to do with like archaic hominins so like australopithecus homo neanderthalensis like all of that kind of stuff and just how we evolved to the people that to the homo sapiens that we are now and if you are someone who just like wants to learn more about like why we are the way that we are and you really like science I would really recommend this podcast the host is a biological anthropologist but she um, she breaks down everything for non-sciencey people to really understand it and every week she interviews a different professor in the field and they talk about all kinds of things so like teeth and uh, thermal adaptations and our legs and stuff like that. It's just super interesting. And I know it's like a really niche interest, but if it's something that you think is interesting, I definitely recommend it. I love that. Love a good podcast, Rec. I think you, after you finish Breaking Dawn, should start a Martitian podcast. <laughs> There's some good ones out there. I'm, you know, I don't know if anyone wants to hear me talk about more mortician thoughts but my main mortician thought I can't think I think Danny said it I don't think it was you but whoever it was said I think that the funeral business should be more slutty and I agree and you are achieving that one day at a time <laughs> and I mean that in a loving way no I love it I I've I got in trouble already at work for wearing something too low cut so not her fault she's a big titty bitch i have no control over it <laughs> um okay so speaking of breaking dawn we got to talk about all the things that we normally talk about cover etc and we also read the first two chapters so page letter rip tater chip <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to start with first do you want me to start with my my reaction to what we read and then we can go into the book itself let's flip that so talk about the cover what you think about that and then i'll have you read the back do you have the hardcover i assume i have the hardcover however i bought this for six dollars and sixty cents at a used bookstore it did not come with the the flappy i will read the jacket okay do you know what the cover is you looked it up 
Yes. So I knew what the cover was generally, but I did look it up too because I wanted to see the specifics of everything. I knew that it was chess pieces and one was white and one was red. Um, So for additional detail, it's a queen on sort of like the main part, like the queen is the biggest one and the queen is white. And then there's a pawn sort of in the background and the pawn is red. So historically in all of the covers I've we've kind of come to establish that the white I feel like stands for Bella or at least innocence or more morality not mortality sorry um and non-vampirism I would say like when you think of the twilight cover the white hands holding the apple it's you know symbolism for Adam and Eve and the apple is sin and Eve takes a bite out of it, whatever. And when you kind of apply that to what goes on in Twilight, the red would sort of stand for vampirism. So in in this sense, it's to me pretty obvious that the queen is Bella. She's the main character in all of these books. And, you know, this is going to be the book that she gets changed in. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be big. She is the queen, the all, and the queen in chess is the all powerful piece. So it makes me think that Bella, when she does become vampiric is going to be crazy powerful, or at least like, you know, like the pinnacle of everything, sort of like everything the conflict is going to surround is going to be her. She's, or she's going to put a stop to everything. She's going to be the one. The pawn in the background, I think is very interesting because I don't really know what that is trying to get at. In my head, the way I interpret it is that, like, I think what it's trying to trying to sort of look like chess-wise is that this pawn is going to get you, sort of, or, like, attempt to, I don't know, chess you. I don't know what the, the phrase is for chess. Um, so, like, maybe this is, like, the impending vampirism coming to get Bella. However, if you look at the pieces on the chess board, this pawn cannot get this queen. I will put that out there. And also, it's super interesting that sort of the the innocent one, the non-vampiric one, is this all-powerful best piece. And the one that's sort of this looming threat, this vampirism that Bella thinks is so amazing, is putting on this high pedestal, is portrayed as a pawn. Great observation on how the pawn physically could not get the queen according to the rules of chess. If the pawn were a character, who would you think it would be? I don't actually, I don't know if it is. I'm just wondering. Well, if you think about what Bella's powers are, you know, she has this repelling power, sort of Fred-like, or this just like shield power that other powers cannot touch her. So it could really be any vampire that is trying to do harm to her. So it could just symbolize maybe the Volturi in general, or maybe Arrow or Jane. I don't really see it as one of the Cullens, because why would they try to be using their power to stop her or like, like put a stop to her I guess I don't I don't know how to phrase it so I mean I guess in that sense if you were to apply it to probably the antagonists in this book I would say um it would make sense that they would be portrayed as pawns to say you know like Bella's the queen here step down you little turnips (laughs) turnips 
Okay, well, since you don't have the jacket, I'm going to go ahead and read you the description, and then I'll read you the back quote. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the as always with the description, the first little part of it is also a quote. And we already know it because it's from the preface. But I'll read it again. When you loved the one who was killing you, it left you no options. How could you run? How could you fight when doing so would hurt that beloved one? If your life was all you had to give, how could you not give it if it was someone you truly loved? Okay, end of quote, beginning of description. To be irrevocably in love with a vampire is both fantasy and nightmare woven into a dangerously heightened reality for Bella Swan. Pulled in one direction by her intense passion for Edward Cullen, and in another by her profound connection to werewolf Jacob Black, she has endured a tumultuous year of temptation, loss, and strife to reach the ultimate turning point. Her imminent choice to either join the dark but seductive world of immortals or pursue a fully human life has become the thread from which the fate of two tribes hangs. Now that Bella has made her decision, a startling chain of unprecedented events is about to unfold with potentially devastating and unfathomable consequences. Just when the frayed strands of Bella's life, first discovered in twilight, then scattered and torn in new moon and eclipse, seem ready to heal and knit together, could they be destroyed, dot, 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 forever? The astonishing, breathlessly anticipated conclusion to the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, illuminates the secrets and mysteries of this spellbinding romantic epic that has entranced millions. To me, it sounds like everyone she loves is going to die. But, like, it just really sounds like Bella's not going to come out on top here. I mean, I feel like she is. I don't think that Stephanie would write a book where everyone dies for Bella. That doesn't really seem like her vibe. However, Bella's really going to be put through the ringer in this one, I think. It seems like, I mean, they talk so much about Edward and Jacob in this that it seems like both of them are going to be in peril. You know, both are there's going to be some kind of major threat. And I mean, there was a whole whole emphasis on not showing the Volturi the wolves in Eclipse. So it'll be interesting to see how the Volturi and the werewolves interact, because like, there's no way they're not going to in this book. Interesting. Bold statement. We'll see what happens. I'm going to read the back jacket quote. The, the back it quote, if you will. <laughs> As it were. Don't be afraid, I murmured. We belong together. I was abruptly overwhelmed by the truth of my own words. This moment was so perfect, so right, there was no way to doubt it. His arms wrapped around me, holding me against him. It felt like every nerve ending in my body was a live wire. Forever, he agreed. Anticlimactic. You know, you could have done so much more. Just you wait, bitch. (laughs) So while we're on kind of the subject, we already read that little section from the um, preface. And then there's also the epigraph. Will you do me a favor and read that real quick, Paige? Sure. Do you like my bookmark this time around? You definitely upgrade it. It is a ruler, folks. It is not a dirty sock for now. Okay. And this is in um, italics, so whenever I just see words in, in italics, it just it just sounds like this to me. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Childhood is not from birth to a certain age, and at a certain age, the child is grown. 
and puts away childish things. Childhood is the kingdom where nobody dies. Will you please provide attribution? Edna St. Vincent Millay. Thank you. Wouldn't want Edna's ghost to haunt us for not saying her name. So there's that, and then there's the preface, which is, as always, very short. Um, I basically almost read the entire thing. Bella's just saying, like, I'm used to dying, but this time it's different. It's for someone I love. So I got to hear your thoughts on this epigraph and preface page. There's just a lot, like, I think, I think we got to say the elephant in the room here. There's just a lot of talk of children. There's talk of children in the chapter that we read, one of the chapters at least. Um, there's talk of children in this epigraph. And I don't, I think I mentioned this very, very early on, but I'm pretty sure that I know that Bella has a kid. Like, I feel like that was advertised in Breaking Dawn part two. Like, I feel like that was part of the media of it all. Like, I feel like I remember there being a kid. And it would make sense that if they're married, I mean, it wouldn't make sense because I don't really understand vampire anatomy. I just don't. Maybe there's an adopted kid. I don't really know. But there just seems to be like, I don't, we'll get into it. I just don't know why the the concept of children has been brought up multiple times if it doesn't matter. Because this is a Mormon book, Paige. <laughs> well, there's been absolutely, like, literally no children under the age of, like, 10 in the entire book series. And now two things back to back are talking about little tiny kids. And I'm like, hmm, this seems to be a common thread. Hmm. I wonder. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, so who is the loved one in the uh, preface that you think she's referring to? To me, I kind of thought that this was a sexy, not, it's not sexy. Um, I just, to me, it kind of felt like a graphically non-graphic description of when Bella loses her virginity. Like, I feel like I don't know. I mean, I maybe it's going to be magical, but Edward has always said that it's going to, like, he could destroy her. He could kill her. And, like, I don't know, Bella Bella dying in this way, I think she would be pro it, and she'd be dying for the one that she loves. So, I mean, it would make sense to me. I just don't really know what it would apply to otherwise. Like, like I'd, maybe, maybe in the process of when she's getting turned, like, something happens to Edward I don't really I don't know I don't know I just kind of what I thought it was was there's also a lot of horny talk in in the first chapter or second chapter too um and it feels like that this is we've been building up to this moment for quite a while so it wouldn't shock me if the preface was a mysterious look at that hot saucy night I'm so dead <laughs> Say it with me, kids. If you're not about to die from the sex, it's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's a red flag. Cut that out. <laughs> okay. So, last intro question I'm going to ask you. And you kind of already said, but any additional thoughts on the first two chapters that we read? Um... One thought, I feel like all of my predictions were correct. 
I feel like all of the predictions I made for these two chapters ended up coming true. Um, at least for what I remember. Um, there was a talk with Charlie. There was um, Jacob being gone, question mark, question mark. And long night without Edward. I was right. It is. It's just a long night without Edward, you know? Um, I... The, I think the main thing, and I mean, we kind of already addressed it, is just this very bizarre concept of these eternal, beautiful children. I like, it's just such a weird concept to me. Like, why would, why would a vampire want a baby? I don't know. It's, it, to me, I wouldn't want a baby. If I was immortal, you have to have a baby for the rest of your life. It's just a baby. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not interested in that. Um, and it's just, it's interesting that they like looped Tanya's family into that. Like, I, I feel like they needed a reason or they meaning Stephanie. I think Stephanie needed a way to bring this concept in without it being super random. So it was a, it was a way to bring Tanya and the gang back into the, into the fray it was a way for Bella to talk about how anxious she was about that situation and also a convenient way to bring this concept up. Because I said earlier that I didn't really know what the the conflict was going to be in this book because the whole thing that is making the Volturi upset right now is that Bella isn't changed. And we know from Brie Tanner that she's going to get changed at some point. And... So after she's changed, what are they going to be upset about? Is it going to be some kind of kid situation? I don't know. I mean, it seems like that could be it, but I genuinely don't know. Interesting. I guess we will have to fucking see. It does feel very manufactured. I, I'll just get this complaint out of the way right now. This is once again a Stephanie Meyer intro. It's like, this is book four. You don't need to be saying who Edward is. She literally says, like, my fiancé, Edward. Cole. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know who he is. Can we not do this? It, like, literally made me cringe. Yeah, I, it, you ever, do you, do you do a lot of, wow, none of those were words. Do you do a lot of, um, like, fictional writing at all? I used to, but it's been a long time. Same. Uh, well, not really same. I got a weird, like, hyperfixation urge to write a book, like, two weeks ago. And so I I sat down and I got, like, I wrote a little bit. But I am so mortified all the time of doing that as an author, like, telling instead of showing, that I feel like the writing is bad. Like, I feel like I do it too much. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, either way, it's bad. Yeah, I guess it's easy for me to talk shit because I'm not a multi-million book writer, author, that's the word. So I guess I shouldn't be one to talk, but I can complain. This is my fucking podcast. I can complain if I want. We are literally 36 minutes into this shit. Let, <laughs> let's talk about this chapter, or these two chapters. I mean, as we already said, it's all very introductory, so there is, like, not that much that we learn, but we're going to talk about it. We do got to talk about this fake car that Stephanie invented that n drug lords need. I, I 
this was so far fetched. I mean, it if you think about the Cullens and you think about Edward, the concept of it is not far fetched, but it it makes me think of if I tried to come up with a car. When I read Missile Proof Glass, I was like, no, that can't be real. That this cannot be a real thing. And it's not, it's not a real car. So I I Googled it. It's not real. Do any cars have missile proof glass? You look that up? I didn't Google that. I kind of just assumed that that was completely not real. I do kind of want to know what drug lords are driving around. Like, what's their car of choice? Honda Civic. <laughs> Very unassuming. We'll get you to where you need to be. Um, while we're on the subject of the car, so Edward got her a before car and an after car because her truck mysteriously fizzled out and no longer will start. There is no doubt in my mind that Edward fucked with it so that it would break. No doubt in my mind. It's so embarrassing. Like it's like it's like Bella's car is embarrassing to him. It's not even your car. And I'm sorry that the love of your life really likes this car, but like it doesn't need to be associated with you. Like let her like the things that she likes. Yes, exactly. That that is on the list of toxic shit that you shouldn't put up with in a relationship. And also, if you read the way that Bella drives this car, it seems more unsafe for her than the car that only goes like 40 miles an hour that she's been driving for years that she's comfortable with. Yeah, I agree. I do want to say that when she like tries to like drive and or she's just trying to drive normal, but she accidentally floors it. I'm like, that's some shit I would do back in the day when I was first learning to drive. Thank God she has tinted windows. I, I love that part where it's like the windows are tinted so no one knows I'm in the car. Meanwhile, she's driving around Forks, Washington, which has a population of like seven and everyone knows everyone. And I'm sure no one has this car given that it's not even available in Europe right now. Like everyone knows it's you, Bella. I don't know why you're telling yourself this. Right. It would either be her or Edward and Edward drives well. So... Ah, Bella. Sweet, sweet Bella. (laughs) She does say that she's been avoiding going into town, partially probably because of this, but also because she is afraid that people are talking about her and the wedding, which they are. I mean, I can guarantee that they are. Thus, she's going out, going without things like Pop-Tarts and shoelaces. I don't know why you would need shoelaces so often. Pop-Tarts make sense, but I don't know about the shoelaces. Also, just get some flip-flops. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't like to show her feet. No free feet pics. Who in this town wants to see Bella Swan's feet? Edward Cullen and probably Jacob Black and probably Mike Newton. That was my 13th reason. That was the worst thing you've ever said. Was I wrong, though? No, you're not, but no one had to say it. You set yourself up. Okay, so these two guys end up taking a picture with Bella's car, which he thinks is ridiculous. I also think it's ridiculous. I'm like, grow up. I also think it's ridiculous that Bella inserted herself into the photo. Like, she talks about, they ask her if they can take a photo of the car. She says yes, and then gets into the driver's seat to be in the photo. I'm like, they didn't ask to take a picture of you. They asked to take a picture of the car. Why, like... You could have totally just stood off to the side and they would have been totally okay with that. 
Yes. And she says that the windows are tinted, but that's not an excuse because she's sitting in the front seat. You know what's not tinted? The windshield so that you can drive. <sighs> this, you know, for all of the explanations that Stephanie put in here as to who Edward is, what are vampires? How, well, how did we get to this point? She sure did not think a lot of things through for the more important parts of the of the chapter. I would say that that is her style. Um, we find out that Jacob has been quote unquote missing. I'm assuming since we read from his perspective at the end of Eclipse when he was like, I'm out of here. And Charlie is very worried about it. He's set up like a whole task force. <laughs> Not really, but he's like very dedicated to finding him and has put flyers all over the state. And he's mad because Bella and Billy are not really helping because they know that he's off being a werewolf and they can't tell Charlie that. Yeah, I am a little glad that Charlie is putting all of this effort in. I I mean, he obviously has a relationship with the Black family, so it's far more personal than if it were just a random Quill youth. But I don't know, I think it sets a nice precedent for the police station to, like, give as much care to Quileute teenagers as people who don't live on the Quileute reservation. Yeah, totally. That's a good point. I mean, he's probably not going to be successful because he has people looking for Jacob the human, but he doesn't know that. Bella does call Seth Clearwater to check in, and he says, you know, Jacob is not coming home. But, you know, he's some, didn't he say he's somewhere in Canada or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then Bella has to hang up right away because Leah, oh God, Leah, might be home. So afraid of Leah. A girl, oh no! So stupid. So then Bella has this corny ass flashback. I'm sorry, the dot 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 got me on page 13. I walked slowly through the light rain, remembering the night we'd told him. Four dots. There's only supposed to be three. It's not ellipses. It's just ellipses. Yes. And as expected, Charlie walks in, and the first fucking thing Edward says is, we'd like to talk to you. We have some good news. Of course! He thought that she was pregnant. Like, what else would that be? Yeah, and also, that's another little reference to kids in this. Another one, right at the beginning. That's true. That's true. What did you think of Charlie's overall reaction? I'm. It all kind of made sense to me. I think his extreme laughter is either a coping mechanism or he is in absolute shock and his body doesn't know how to take it. Um, but, you know, it could have been far, far worse, you know, for how much he disliked Edward at the beginning of all of everything. Um, and I don't know, I think, I think he's kind of warming up. I mean, we'll get to it a little later, but as we get closer to the actual wedding day, it seems like he's warming up to the idea of it, even if Renee has thwarted his efforts. Yeah, he does kind of say that he was like, I don't remember the exact words, but he was like, I figured something like this was coming. Um, I do 
want to remind you of the time when he called Edward Edwin. That wasn't that long ago. Like, chronologically, it was like a year ago. <laughs> if only Charlie could see Edwin now. <laughs> Edwin is the good twin of Edward, I feel like. I don't know. Edwin sounds kind of evil to me. Yeah. That's true. Have you ever seen The Boy? Is that kid's name Edwin? No, but the doll, it would, he strikes me as an Edwin. Ugh. That movie's fucked up. If anyone wants to watch it, I recommend. Here's a fun story about that, that, um, movie. So, many years ago, I had a day off, and I was like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna have a crazy day. I'm gonna be a crazy girl and have a crazy day. I made one of my favorite dinners, which is chicken nuggets and onion rings, gluten-free. And I bought a party pack of woodchuck ciders. It has like four or five different flavors and like four of each. And I just like watched movies all day and I did absolutely nothing. It was awesome. Um, but I the the following day, I I definitely, um, I definitely blacked out a little bit, as you do when you buy a party pack of ciders. And I remembered that I had watched The Boy. That was like the last movie that I watched. And I could remember up into a part of it, but I c- could not remember how the movie ended. And I was like, well, I want to know how it ends. The last thing I could remember was like, there's like a sh- scene where she's in the shower and she feels like she can hear someone in the room. That was the last thing I could remember. So I started there and I'm watching. And let me tell you, I watched that movie twice and I was still shocked the second time. I can't imagine what Drunk Paige was experiencing when she saw what happens in that movie. I bet she was shitting and crying and screaming and pissing. You probably blocked it out because you were traumatized. Yeah, maybe it it wasn't actually like blacked out. Maybe it was just my brain was like, she can't handle this right now. And then you did it again the next day. (laughs) (sighs) Ugh. Anyways, we recommend it. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Okay, so you had briefly mentioned Renee's reaction. So what were your thoughts on that? I think that Renee says one of the most insightful things she has ever said in this part of the book. The bar is low, but continue. You're 100% correct. But given what I was expecting, I was very pleased with what she says. I'd like to read that little bit. So I'm looking at the bottom of page 18. Um, Bella has kind of been really dreading telling her because, you know, things just ended so poorly for Renee and her marriage that she just kind of figured that her mom would freak out at the thought of Bella getting kind of doing the exact same thing. And so she has kind of a positive reaction and Bella is a little shocked. And Renee says, You're not making my mistakes, Bella. You sound like you're scared silly, and I'm guessing it's because you're afraid of me. She giggled. Of what I'm going to think. And I know I've said a lot of things about marriage and stupidity, and I'm not taking them back. But you need to realize that those things specifically apply to me. You're a completely different person than I am. You make your own kinds of mistakes, and I'm sure you'll have your share of regrets in life. But commitment was never your problem, sweetie. You have a better chance of making things work than most 40-year-olds I know. Renee had laughed again. 
My little middle-aged child, luckily you seem to have found another old soul. I just, I just thought that was nice, you know, like, she, she acknowledges that, like, she stands by her opinions and that, you know, she's not going to take back the way that she feels about marriage, but, you know, Bella is her own person and she's allowed to make her own mistakes and it might not even be a mistake that it seems like the right call and she makes an astute observation that she doesn't even know that Bella is an old soul. We know this. And Edward is just an old man in a child's body. Okay. Side note. I had written out this thing in the next chapter when they're laying in bed together. Cause he says that, or Bella explains to the reader unnecessarily that he's 17 and she's just about 19. And I was like, that's kind of gross when I think about it. But then I was like, Oh wait, he's 110. We're good. It's fine. Anyways, back to Renee. It's definitely more self-awareness than I thought she was capable of. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we all of the readers were expecting her to have a freak out. Charlie was expecting her to have a freak out. Bella was expecting her to have a freak out. So this is one of this was quite shocking. Yeah, Charlie feels very betrayed because he thought that Renee was going to be bad cop, basically. And now neither of them were bad cop and Bella's just getting married and he's pissed. (laughs) You know that meme where it's like a, a person who's really angry and then they throw their hands up in the air and they say, well, fine, I guess. No, I haven't seen that one. It's usually when like someone makes a really good argument, but like for something terrible or just like something you don't you don't want it to make sense, but it does. And you're like, well, fine, I guess. Send me one after this. Okay. Okay, so we're almost to the end of this first chapter. When Bella finishes her flashback about telling her parents, this is when she's getting home to Charlie's house. And she overhears him talking to Alice. And this, it, Bella has said so many stupid fucking things in this book series. This one takes the fucking cake. This line made me want to jump into the literal sun. Do you know what I'm talking about? I probably do, but please go on. She walks in to see Charlie in a suit and Alice measuring it and making sure it fits. And she says, and I quote, What's the occasion? Bitch! (laughs) You are getting married in like three days! What the fuck do you think is the occasion? Do you think Charlie's going out on a date with a non-existent woman? What the fuck would be the occasion? I don't mean to be like, not to play devil's advocate, um, but did you not read this sarcastically? No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I read it like, what's the occasion? Like her being playful. Well, I don't know, because when Alice says, she rolls her eyes and says, I'm checking on the fit. And Bella goes, ah, like in fear, as if she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm getting married. You know, that's a valid argument. That is valid. But I can see what you're saying, too. (laughs) I don't know. Now that you've pointed that part out, I'm like, are you stupid? I don't know. Like, page 21 kind of refutes what I said. (laughs) (laughs) We may never know. I feel kind of dumb for doing that rant now, but. It will never be as dumb as me 
tell telling the audience that Stephanie doesn't know anything about baseball and then I clearly know very little about baseball iconic honestly when we finish this podcast we should just do like oh my god it would take way too long but we should just do like a reel of iconic moments there's too many to choose from I mean every time that I like you or I open our mouths it's just I iconoclasticism I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's a bad thing. I feel like that's like worshiping idols or something. Well, you know, they do that in the Bible, I think. <laughs> yeah, right before they get smoked by the Lord, in all caps. Mm, if I get smoked by the Lord, I give anyone permission to eat my ribs. I feel like if you were smoked, your bones wouldn't make it. But we could scatter your ashes. Hmm. Put me in, um, uh, like a King Supers or something in front of the hot dog section, please. Okay, I can do that. Mix me with some pancake batter and then make someone at IHOP eat it. <laughs> Sounds like a health hazard, but... <laughs> that was so rude. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Sounds crunchy. No, here's what you should do. Mix me with some pancake batter, make a pancake out of it, and then frame the pancake. I know it's going to get moldy. That's not my problem. I'll be dead. I think that's a better concept. I'm I'm going to say something that I don't know if you know this. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people don't know this. I honestly didn't know this until I worked at a funeral home. But, like, ashes are pretty much all... Um, basically processed bone so it would definitely be quite crunchy that doesn't surprise me that makes sense because like bone is like the last thing to go right because like skin melts away right away yeah the bone remains and then we basically like put it through a machine that kind of turns it into like a fine powder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think we should put out a heavy metal album that's called the bone remains the bone remains colon turn me into a high hop pancake <laughs> that'll be in small print so that the the metal heads buy it i also think we should do the metal font you know the one that's like you know i know the one yeah i know the one <laughs> uh, this chapter ends with bella has to get fitted for her dress by alice so she just zones out and thinks about fucking edward that's that i'm not making that up that's really what's happening I'm not saying we've all been there, but I feel like in a way we may have been there. Yep. I definitely have. (laughs) Not Edward, but, you know, definitely, you know, been sitting, waiting to go to the eye doctor in the waiting room and, you know, the mind wanders. Unfortunately, I read this when I was 11, so mine was Edward at some point. That's okay. Mine was PETA at some point, so... Yeah, mine too. That doesn't make it better, but thank you. <laughs> okay, anything from that chapter that I didn't go over? Nope, we we got it all. We got it all. <laughs> okay, so chapter two, Long Night, is basically split into two parts. The first part, I'll shorten to Making Out. The second part, Creepy Dream. And that's about it. <laughs> nice having you on this pod. Now we'll go over it. Um, so Edward and Bella are making out. As per usual, my notes were, once again, no thank you. That's all I wrote. 
I'm going to keep my no thank you and apply it to the part where they sort of insinuate that they've been practicing having sex through these past months or however long it's been. I know. I'm like, what does that even mean? Because I know y'all ain't fingering or doing oral. I know you're not. So what what does that mean to you? Does he touch your nips? Like, that's probably the max that he'll do. I think it means that, like, perhaps Bella describes something and then they both picture it in their heads. That can be kind of sexy. I hate to shame. I hate to shame the people who are winning for marriage because it's a valid choice. It could also be dry humping. That's kind of what I was thinking, too, because I feel like Bella's too awkward to, like, say stuff. She would get too embarrassed. Yeah, Bella is definitely one to put her, put her pelvis forward. And, you know, <laughs> if she's got to do what she's got to do. She's the one who has been the driving force in the let's take the bone zone. Let's take the car to bone zone, you know? So I think that, she, you know, she would be calling the shots here. And I do agree with you that she might be a little too embarrassed to, which they've shown they're all a little too embarrassed to say the word sex. So describing something sexual might be a little too much, but dry humping's fine, I guess. Yeah, your clothes are on, so it doesn't count. It's true. <laughs> um, in the midst of this, Bella says a sentence about Edward that I hope is never said about me, and I know never has been and probably never will be. She tries to advance things, and he pulls away. This is on the bottom of page 25. Edward had spent most of his life rejecting any kind of physical gratification. I'm like, literally can't relate. I feel like that's what I'm always after. Could you relate to this line, though, on page 25? Um, Carefully, I let the tip of my tongue press against... Stop, (laughs) please. Please, stop. I can't have that on our podcast, please. What what about the, the breath? No, it's always the fucking breath. Cold and delicious, like ice cream. Sweet, cold and delicious. <sighs> okay, I'm skipping. Um, Edward is wondering if Bella still wants to get married, and she's actually pretty like optimistic about the whole thing, which is good because it's tomorrow. <laughs> um. But really, for them, it it signifies more than that. It's about like her going to be her becoming a vampire, and she's still one hundred percent convinced that that's the right thing. And another mention of children. Edward says inconceivably that he wished that Charlie was right when he thought that they were pregnant. I hate when people say we're pregnant. That Bella was pregnant. What the fuck? <laughs> it sounds like Stephanie is laying some stones down. Breadcrumbs, as it were. Breadcrumbs if the crumbs were entire loaves of bread. <laughs> Anything else on that? <laughs> um, I like that, once again, Mike gets brought up. How We need to get over Mike. Mike Newton does not matter anymore. I'm sorry. We're past Mike Newton. We've graduated. You're getting married tomorrow, Bella. Come on. I kind of like it. I feel like it keeps us grounded, keeps us humble. We need Angela to do that. Angela can be my ground. 
Fair enough, fair enough. She is mentioned, but yeah, not as much as Mike. Um, so Emmett and Jasper show up for Edward's quote-unquote bachelor party, which Bella never even mentions a bachelorette. I mean, it makes sense because it's the opposite of something she would want to do, but I'm like, it could have been fun. It could have been fun. They could have gone to Chippendales or something. I mean, she would have loved to spend more time with the Cullens, you know, a fun day with Alice and maybe Rosalie at this point, Esme, like, I think they could have, I mean, I guess none of those people are bachelorettes, but whatever, you know, they could have had a good time. Yeah, I was more picturing, like, a human one, like Angela and Jessica, but I guess she's not really friends with Jessica. Yeah, I, it's just so hard for me to picture Bella having fun with humans. Like, I, that sounds so terrible, but, like, it happened like four times in the last book. And I feel like we're just moving farther and farther away from that part of her life. That's so true. Yeah. So anyways, Emmett comes and scrapes, scrapes, that's not a word, scrapes against her window. It says there was a squeal against the window. Someone deliberately scraping their steel nails across the glass to make a horrible cover your ears, goosebumps down your spine noise. They gotta do all this whispering so they don't wake Charlie up, and that shit doesn't wake Charlie up. I mean, come on now. It makes me think of the episode with the Alaskan bullworm when that fisherman is scraping his hook down the glass or something, and he goes, Do you guys have a bathroom? <laughs> so accurate. <laughs> um, as we know, this is not gonna be a normal bachelor party. Jasper assures Bella that they're just going hunting, but I'm like, Edward needs a stripper. This man needs to chill the fuck out. Also, like, there has to be some way to infuse blood with a shot of tequila. Like, there's gotta be. Yeah, I wonder what would happen if they drank. Probably nothing, right? Probably. They make a point to say, like, Jacob was getting morphine or something and it was he was healing so fast and I feel like vampires are probably similar in that sense where like any kind of drug or something that alters your your state of mind probably doesn't work super well it's a fab bummer he still could have had a stripper though I'm just saying yeah I mean even supernatural beings can enjoy the the world of sin I was going to say the marvelous miracle that is a woman's body. I like that, too. And when I say a world of sin, I don't mean that stripping is sinful. I just feel like in Edward's mind, it is. Like, to Edward, that would be disgusting. Yeah, he would never. But a girl can dream. Me. Mm -hmm. So he leaves... And Bella is left alone to contemplate dark and horrific things on the night before her wedding before she goes to sleep. Like she loves to do. It's her favorite hobby. (laughs) She's thinking about, as Paige was talking about earlier, the Denali clan, Tanya's family. And she is allowed, quote unquote, allowed to be nervous because they had some tension with the wolves. Because Irina had feelings for, I think it's implied that she had feelings, right? She calls them, she calls Laurent, Irina's friend in this, but I thought at the time they said, like, they liked each other or something. Yeah, I think that he was called her special friend at one point. <laughs> Not special friend. Come on now. So anyways, obviously the wolves killed Laurent because he was about to kill Bella. Irina didn't take that well. 
so they didn't help them at the Collins out when the newborns were coming to town. Whole family feels bad about that. So now they're coming to the wedding to patch things over. So Bella can pretend to be nervous about that. But really, she's nervous about the fact that Tanya asked Edward out, I quote, before I was born. That line had me on the fucking floor. I was laughing so hard. I... I know I've I've been there. I've definitely been there in the feelings of not necessarily jealousy, but just like letting your mind wander that, oh no, the worst thing could possibly happen. Girl, you have nothing to worry about. This man, this man would rip off someone's head for you. This is true romance. Not only would, but has. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah, so Bella's stressing about that. And then she starts thinking about randomly, as Paige said, very contrived, this whole immortal children thing. And I want to mix it up a little. I want you to explain that part of the plot briefly, as I would. And then, yeah, you kind of already said your thoughts on it, so we can just kind of chat about it after. But proceed. So essentially this concept, it... It was very much, it reminded me of sort of like the backstory introduction in Eclipse, where they kind of talked about the big quote unquote pandemic that happened in South America that really was the vampires fighting amongst each other. And it was something that happened long ago in the past. So I think they said this was like in the like 1700s or something. I don't know. It was like 400 years ago. I don't know. Something like that. But essentially, a bunch of vampires decided that it would be super fun, I guess. I don't really understand why. But to turn children and toddlers and babies into vampires. And they're extremely beautiful. And people, like, when you see one, you are immediately drawn to them. They're everything that an adult vampire is but like with the cuteness of a child but their minds are frozen in that time so they cannot be taught I mean especially like babies and toddlers cannot be taught how to be civil or how to control themselves they just rampage and kill everyone because also have you ever met a toddler they do not have a sense of right and wrong Literally, if you take a cookie away from one, they want to they want to kill you. That, that is just the way it is. Um, so the Volturi basically had to eradicate all of them because they were threatening the sanctity of, not sanctity, the secrecy of vampirism and the whole thing they have going on. But not only did they eradicate the kids, they also eradicated all of the people who turned them because doing that was a crime. Um, so because of that, to them, it was a crime. It was, you know. I think mostly because they all defended them. I don't, like, I feel like if they had stood aside, probably the Volturi wouldn't have. But, like, no one did that. I, that's the vibe that I got. But it doesn't really matter. That is true. Because when they talk about Tanya, or Tanya's mom... Um, 
she's like holding the child in her arms like she doesn't want to give the child up basically and that's how that's why bella knows all of this is because tanya's mom was killed during this because she decided to make a what what are they called eternal children or immortal child immortal child she decided to make one and the only way that tanya and her sisters were able to get out without being reprimanded by the Volturi is the child was kept a secret from them. They had no idea this child even existed. It wasn't until their mom was being executed that they found out about it. So this was something that happened a couple hundred years ago and it hasn't really happened since. I think it's still considered like quote unquote vampire illegal. Um, so that's kind of just like, that's kind of it. Yeah. Kind of random to get thrown in here, but you did a great job. Thank you. Um, as Bella is kind of thinking about this and reflecting it back to the reader, she falls asleep and has a dream that she is like watching the Volturi execute these children. And then she sees a child sitting on top of the dead bodies of everyone she knows, like her parents, all her human friends, etc. Very dark. To lighten the mood, I will say they execute this somewhat differently in the movie, but there is a dream sequence where there is a, a pile of bodies and it has become a meme because of the face that Charlie, the actor who plays Charlie, is making is like, he just, like, his face is like, I'm so over this shit, but he's, like, supposed to be dead, but it's hilarious. <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, what do you think of the dream? Leave it to Bella to... Think of some fucked up shit the day before her wedding. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> like, she's going to wake up with bags under her bags. And Charlie's going to be like, oh, were you up all night tossing and turning because you were nervous? And she has, to, it, she has to be like, yes, father. Not because I saw your lifeless corpse under a baby that has just consumed all of the blood inside of your body. No, I'm fine. <laughs> she can't really say that, so... I mean, technically, technically, she wouldn't be giving anything away. Technically, she could just say, I had a dream that I saw you and mom and everyone I loved dead, and there was a baby who had killed all of you guys and drank your blood. And Charlie would be like, you need to go to see a therapist. But you know Charlie would start putting the pieces together on his little bulletin board with his red strings that he has for Jacob and he'd be like wait do you think Edward drinks blood and then he would figure it out and then there's a sequence where he boots up his computer and he types the word vampire into google <laughs> <laughs> like father like daughter <laughs> did you have anything from these two chapters that we didn't cover no we hit it all okay cool well I'm excited to go on this last book journey with you it's very long but yeah it should be fun so we're not going to have a new episode out next week, which for y'all will be August 2nd. I got to go out of state for a wedding, so I cannot record or edit. But we'll be back on August 9th with chapters three and four. And their names are Big Day and Gesture. Predictions. Big Day. I think it's going to be the wedding day. I mean, maybe it'll, I, like, I, I don't, the following chapter being Gestures 
I don't think that that's when the wedding happens. I think it has to be Big Bay. So I think that's going to be, that's going to be it. You know, like her seeing Edward in his tux walking down the aisle. He looks like a Greek god stone marble man with his glistening lips and she can see his breath and it's delicious. And the kiss they have is magnifique and everyone claps. Um, gesture, I still think that Jacob is going to show up to this wedding. I, I really think he is. And maybe gesture is maybe going to be something that Jacob does as a gesture of like, hey, you know, things are okay. Or maybe gesture is something that, I don't know, maybe it'll be like some kind of gift from someone or uh, I think it's going to be some kind of a wedding gift, whether it be from Jacob or from the Cullen family or from Edward, maybe it'll be Edward reveals where they're going to go on their honeymoon. And it's a gesture of some kind, something that's really meaningful to Bella. We shall see. We shall see. I like those predictions, especially the breath, because I already know that's going to happen. Will you hit them with the socials? Alrighty guys, please. We'd love to hear from you all in, you know, your breaking dawn thoughts. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram and on Tumblr at Tuesdays are for Twilight. If you'd like to talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is Taft Pod. Our email is Tuesdays are for Twilight at gmail.com if you want to send us some prose. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And as always, we recommend that you look into the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. You can find out more about that at www.mthg.org. And my TikTok, again, for all of those who were listening, is lilonion666. <laughs> you had to put that last part in there. I love it. Okay, what are your parting words for our first episode of Breaking Dawn? I'm going to leave you with something really moving from Spongebob. Bee-bee-boo-boo-boo-bop. These are the ancient texts. The tomes, if you will. <laughs> we'll see you all in two weeks for Breaking Dawn Chapters 3 and 4. Bye! Bye! Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram.